These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And a good morning, Birds fan. How are you? It is Birds 365 right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You got your Mac and Mac guys here hanging with you for the next couple hours. Jody McDonald, Johnny McMullen. How are you this morning, JM? Doing well, Jody. A little bit uh, ben, ben Simmons hangover, hanging on a little bit. Not for me, but for certain other people that shall remain nameless. That's our boy Xander, our executive yeah. producer. He's not happy with Ben Simmons or Doc Rivers, and I think there's a big difference between the two. Uh, I did four hours of Sixers uh, post-mortem last night on WIP. I'm so sorry. yeah, I'm, not, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm not even close to being done, and this is going to go on for months and months and months. And it's funny that you bring that up because I, I did want to start there. We got a lot of Eagles stuff we're going to get to. Got two good guests coming your way um, over the course of the next two hours, so you do want to hang with us. Um, one of the things that we <clears throat> talked about brought up last night, I know a couple columnists here in town uh, touched on it as well, seeing a lot of social media commentary on it. The comparison between Ben Simmons and Carson Wentz, two supposedly superstar players who at one juncture in their career looked like they were going to be a top player in the NFL 2017 with Carson Wentz was probably in the lead for the MVP. It's just a personal bugaboo bothers me. Carson Wentz was the MVP of the 2017 season before he got hurt. No, he wasn't. No one can be no, the no. MVP after three quarters of no. a season. You can be in the lead. You can say it was his award to lose, but you don't win the MVP. He wasn't so far ahead that, oh, my God, you still got to give it to him, even though he didn't play the last three, game, four games of the season. Um, so well, let's just leave that. He was right there with everyone else. He could have won. Yeah, at a snapshot on December 11th of that year, he was probably going to be the MVP if he continued to play like that. Right. That's a big if. <laughs> but he, he didn't. He didn't get to play at all because he, of course, was injured. And Ben Simmons has had runs where he has been a stone-cold dominant player, one of the best players in the NBA. Where it all has gone, I don't know. But I, I think there is a comparison to be made. I've seen people make the comparison, and I agree with it. Some people trying to shoot it down. You can't compare football to basketball. Okay, we get that. A 53-man roster is compared to a 12-man roster. Uh, there are certain inequities between the comparison. But, oh, I absolutely believe it is there. When you're talking about a superstar player 
on your team that reaches a certain level and comes careening back down to earth. And I mean, from high heights to really low lows, how do you not make that comparison? What happened to Carson Wentz this year is very comparable to what we've just (laughs) seen with Ben Simmons. The bigger difference, the biggest difference for me is uh, Ben Simmons wasn't this bad all year. He actually made the all-star team. Now, if you listen to me on WIP, you know I said he shouldn't have made the all-star team. The guy that should have made the all-star team was his teammate, uh, and and I screamed from the highest yard arms. And, oh, by the way, with the way he played in the final game, I got a little trouble defending yeah. that position with Tobias yeah. Harris as well, but I still stand by at the all-star break. It should have been Tobias Harris, not Ben Simmons. Damn, did he fall off the face of the earth with what we just saw in that last season. Lowest free throw percentage in the history. When you are the lowest or the worst in the history of a sport, that's really bad. And yet, that's a, Yeah, people... that's not good. And they've been playing for a while, Jody. It's not yeah. like it's a small sample size. <laughs> no, the NBA has been for, around for a long time. Not as long as the National Football yeah. League. But uh, you see the comparison between... What we just went through with Carson Wentz, and we know that ended with his shipping out to Indianapolis. Uh, th- there are really a ton of similarities between he and what uh, where we're at right now with Ben Simmons. Do you uh, agree or disagree? Well, I think there's two parts to it. Uh, from the off-the-field aspect, from the sports psychology aspect, I think it's a perfect comparison. I think it's a great comparison. On the field, you start getting into the weeds and saying, you know, Carson was playing like an MVP. I don't think Ben Simmons ever got to that point in his career. People could talk about all-stars. And then you could say came careening down, Jody. I, you know, we were talking before we got on the air. This is this has been consistent in the playoffs. Like I always say, the NBA regular season, you might be in Memphis Wednesday night. They might have a great plan for you. You might have a bad game. Who cares? You're on the Oklahoma City Friday night. It's forgotten about. They're not paying attention to what Memphis did, vice versa, and you just move on. So to me, the difference between the regular season, the NBA, and the playoffs is so different, so vastly different. And anybody who wasn't expecting this, you have seen this consistently with Ben Simmons. Go back to the Brett Brown era. You had Boston in the playoffs when they got bounced by Boston. He had to give T.J. McConnell minutes because Ben Simmons was taken out of it. You, you go back to the Jimmy Butler year, it took the Sixers too long to realize, hey, Jimmy Butler should be running this offense, especially late in games, and that was their best team, their best run in this so-called process era. Uh, ben Simmons was completely taken out of it, and he was completely taken out of it. Now, it got even worse this year. It was even worse because of the free throw shooting. 60% went down to 32% or whatever it was. So it got worse, but this has been his story. He can't play late in games in the fourth quarter in the playoffs when people are making adjustments. The Sixers are playing four on five offensively. My point is from a playing standpoint, Carson Wentz was great that season. The shelf life wasn't uh, long, obviously, but from a mental I don't know, what do you want to call it, fragility standpoint? Yeah, there is a great comparison. There is a great comparison because I think Carson fell apart last season, and I think Ben Simmons, you saw him fall apart. 
I hear what you're saying about the NBA's regular season as compared to the playoffs. Yes, the importance of it gets ratcheted up tenfold. Uh, do we look at the National Football League the same way? No. That, well, no. Why but is I that? don't because it's one game, Jody. Now, you get – and the NFL is always like that. I mean, they dive into game planning for week one. They're preparing for that opponent. Now, it's not as important. The stakes are not as high. But it's the same preparation process. Where in the NBA, and I would say the same thing happens in the NHL, although I'm not a hockey guy. We'll talk to Les Bowen a little bit about hockey later. I imagine the same thing happens there. Best of seven. You see the same team again and again and again and again and again, and you keep seeing them. It's hard. It is really hard. It ratchets us up to this point. When you have a one-and-done situation, look – the, the impact is high. The stakes are high. Everybody, you know, gets a little bit tighter. All of that is the same. But you don't have that constant repetitiveness where people can lose a game and say, okay, we're going to make these adjustments and we're going to come after Carson Wentz again next week. Obviously, he couldn't do it in a couple of days in football. doesn't happen that way. So it's one and done versus in the case of the Hawks and Sixers, they played each other seven times. Yeah, seven game series. It is it is different. Uh, I will agree with that. And the other big difference between these two situations, although they seem they just feel eerily similar to me. Carson Wentz did help facilitate. Shoot, damn! I'd say he made it happen more than anything else with his well known desire. Despite the fact that he never came out himself in front of a microphone or a camera and said, I don't want to be a Philadelphia Eagle anymore. Uh, guys like yourself who report the news, who get inside information and have sources and the like. It was pretty well known that Carson Wentz wanted no part of staying with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think that is probably the biggest reason that the Philadelphia Eagles traded Carson Wentz. Not the fact that he went uh, horribly backwards and had his bad year as he did. If he was still happy, if he was looking forward to playing for Nick Sirianni, I think he'd still be the Eagles quarterback. So if he hadn't forced his hand out of town, he's probably still here. Ben Simmons has not stated either on a microphone or in front of a camera or to someone to get the information to the Sixers beat writers that he wants to be elsewhere. He still is a Philadelphian and wants to stay as a 76er. Do you think that means it's more likely that Ben Simmons sticks around? I don't think he'll be back, but I, I, I think the difference there is I don't think the Sixers want him back. I think they realize this isn't going to work. They're going to have to move on. So I, I don't even get to the part. Ultimately, I don't think Ben will want to be here. I think he'll realize that as well. He probably needs a fresh start, but we still have to go down that road. But I don't think the team – has any inclination of wanting to bring him back. And we'll see. That's my speculation. That's not obviously insider info. Uh, so the Eagles wanted Carson Wentz back originally. Uh, part of it was just, Jody, let's be honest. They didn't want to take the dead money hit. If it were uh, a different situation and his contract was more manageable, they might have had a different decision. But ultimately, they wanted Carson Wentz back, and he didn't want to be here. So I think that story still to be determined, but I don't even think it gets to Ben because I don't think the Sixers will want him back. I think, I think Daryl Morey is a really, really smart, smart basketball guy. I think he understands 
he's got to build a team and he's going to build that team around Joel Embiid, not Ben Simmons. So I think he realized, I think he already realized that he would have traded Ben Simmons during the season if he could have gotten James Harden. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that, uh, that those conversations were had. Um, again, I have my sources. They're not as good as you and tied to the National Football League, but my NBA sources told me the Rockets were not trading James yes. Harden to the seven Same here. It's exactly what there I was heard. bad blood with Moray walking yeah. away, and their asking price as compared to what the Nets ended up paying was ridiculous. And, oh, by the way, it still might not have gotten a deal done. The Sixers may have said, yeah, okay, we'll give you what you asked for. And they, well, let us rethink that. Yeah. That there was marching orders from the owner down there. Yes, engage the 76ers solely to drive the price up so that we can get the best price from the Nets. I don't think there was ever a chance that James Harden was coming here. But that's an aside. Um, let me ask you uh, one other question on Simmons and Carson Wentz. We have not seen Carson Wentz in his new team. How do you think the Eagle fans are going to handle that this year? We know the whole, he's got to play 70%, uh, 75% regular season or 70% and the playoffs for the Eagles to have that number two draft pick next year elevated to a one. So you have to, at least in part, you got to root for his health. I, I don't know how heavy handed yeah. you will be in rooting for him in yeah. producing touchdowns as compared to interceptions and quarterback rating and whatever else. Because, yeah, it does sting a little bit when you move away from a guy who was a key contributor for you and he goes somewhere else and either recaptures the magic or elevates his game to levels he never had before. I get less worked up about that than some other people. I've talked to on the air fans and the like who just can't pull. How do we give him up? That's, he's killing us. How, how did we not know this was going to happen? When you get it done, you get it done. I don't want to say you wash your hands, but you accept it. And you say, oh, he is now elsewhere. Here's what we got in return. We have to move on as an organization. He's going to do what he's going to do. I, I think that Eagle fans will actually have a tough time rooting for Carson Wentz. Above and, uh, above and beyond the, we got to get enough to get the first round draft pick. Do you think there's a fear factor that if the Sixers trade Ben Simmons, people are thinking he's going to learn how to shoot a jump shot. He's going to raise his 70, his, his foul shooting percent, 75%. He's going to go deep in the playoffs. And we're still going to be eliminated in the second round. How much fear is out there with six of them? <laughs> well, if they're fearful of that, they can calm down. That is not happening. Can it get back to being what he was as a 60% free throw shooter? Yeah, probably, hopefully, somewhere. Um, so if that's your fear, that's a little more realistic. This guy's never going to be able to shoot the basketball in a consistent manner. He doesn't want to shoot the basketball. That's part of the problem. He doesn't want to shoot it. If he goes to a less, uh, um, what, how shall we say, less passionate market, I think it will he help him. Um, that people have said that about Carson Wentz. You know, we had Bob Glaber on last week, you know, who works in New York, obviously. He said Philadelphia is the most difficult, and I agree with him, uh, sports market because of all the interest. Now he was talking football wise because of the Eagles. Now, you know, you would know better than me, Jody. I think this market's very provincial. I don't think they care about anything that goes on outside the city limits of Philadelphia. So I don't think they're going to care about Carson Wentz that much during the regular season, other than health, other than keeping a status on, are they going to get the first round pick? 
Now, if you get to the playoffs and he's playing well and it's one and one-off situations, standalone games on television, and I see Carson Wentz is having an MVP-like season, then I start to, they'll start to get a little bit angry. But I don't think they're going to care during the regular season. They're just focused on their team. But you would have a better indication of that than me. Right, and I'll disagree with you slightly. Uh, you're not way off point. Flyers? Oh, absolutely. The most provincial group in the entire. Once you leave Philadelphia, you're like, you move to another galaxy and people just don't follow and don't care and don't watch. Um, Phillies, no, they'll they'll note and they'll call and they'll say, look what he's doing elsewhere. Not a ton, but some. Um, so basketball, basically the same. People still watched every move Charles Barkley made after he left and was elevating Phoenix to championship <clears throat> levels. And what the hell was Jimmy Lynham thinking? Oh, Eagles, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every week I would get an update from, do you realize Reggie White had two more sacks for the Green Bay Packers? Oh, yeah. Eagles specific. Eagle fans, uh, it's almost like a protect. Once you put the green on, you're kind of green for life. More so than the other three teams here in town. I do think they are, uh, I don't want to say more astute, but more involved, more uh, dedicated to following what former Eagles did. And I think they will do that for Carson Wentz. Well, I, mean, I, I would say, let me say this, Jody. Reggie's a Hall of Fame player, maybe the greatest defensive end that ever lived. Plus, he went to a team that was really good. So that was that sort of playoff type atmosphere. If Carson's in the playoffs, I think things change a little bit from that perspective because obviously he's been successful and maybe they start paying attention. But, I mean, guys would bring up this with me with Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas. And they, you know, you would hear it occasionally. Sidney would make an interception. Somebody saw it on red zone and said, we can't, Schwartz can't get these guys to play. But they didn't. It's not like they were sitting there micromanaging and realizing, well, Rasul really, really fell off in Carolina. Sidney was hurt again in Jacksonville. I, I don't think it's that. Uh, as as passionate when people leave the city. Now, Hall of Fame players, you mentioned Charles as well, Charles Barkley. Yeah, that's a little bit different. I mean, it, it hurts when you lose a Hall of Fame player. That that really hurts. I don't think Carson Wentz is going to be that. Um, if he is, yeah, there's going to be some significant angst. I yeah. would say that. There, there will be many reminders. Didn't we have this guy? Wasn't Carson Wentz? Didn't we give him away to the Indianapolis Colts? Oh, yeah, we'll get a ton of that from Eagle fans. All right, Eagle fans, you want to stay tuned. Uh, we're going to have our first guest joining us next. Uh, we had him on a month or so ago, five, six weeks ago, and he did a great job when he came on with us. Uh, Connor Orr, uh, writer for Sports Illustrated, one of John's uh, colleagues and cronies, will hop aboard. We'll talk all things NFL, get his take on the birds, but everything else that's going on in the National Football League. And as John has already mentioned, Les Bowen is going to join us, and I, I had no idea that Les was thinking about walking away, took a buyout from the Daily News. Uh, I've enjoyed reading Les on the Eagles for years now, and he will be missed, but he's not going to be missed here on Birds 365 because we're going to punch him up a little later on in the show. But coming up next, Connor Orr, NFL writer for Sports Illustrated, joins us here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. 
It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Summer edition of Birds 365 here on the Jake Media YouTube channel. Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, putting up our first guest of the day. He came on with us uh, about a month or so ago and gave us a uh, fabulous spot and tremendous insight. Yeah, we're putting the pressure on him. We expect the exact same <laughs> again today from Sports Illustrated. Our buddy Connor Orr jumps aboard with us. How are you, Connor? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Good, Connor. Good to have you again. Uh, I guess the biggest news in the NFL, obviously, is Carl Nassib coming out as the first openly gay player in the NFL. Obviously, years ago, Michael Sam tried to make it had come out. I covered Ezra Tuaolo back in the day, but he came out after he played in the NFL. Obviously, he's not the first gay player is what I'm trying to say in the NFL. I do want to say this, Connor. We had Amy Trask on uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about the Eagles hiring Catherine, Catherine Raich 
as the highest ranking female personnel executive. And what she told me is uh, basically it'll be great when this isn't a story and it's just a common occurrence. You see son, kind of the same thing with Carl. Yeah, I got a chance to speak with Wade Davis, who uh, played in the NFL in the early 2000s and came out after um, and and actually was the NFL's consultant throughout the Michael Sam period, um, talked to a lot of teams about how they should approach stuff like this. And, and that's exactly what he said is, you know, there's going to come a time when there's not going to need to be an Instagram announcement. There's going to be a time when this isn't trending on Twitter. And um, and he said what was really kind of uh, cool about yesterday was it was news. Um, but it didn't feel earth shattering, you know, and I think that um, that's great for Carl. It's great for the community, um, but it's also time to appreciate the people who, you know, like Michael Sam, this was big news when he did this. Right. And Michael Sam was kind of the test run for everybody. Right. We, we got out all of our inappropriate conversations, you know, he took the brunt of it. And now all these other guys that are coming after can have a little bit softer of a landing because of that. And even though I think we are more understanding and just general community, I'm talking worldwide, uh, not just the, the, the narrow focus of any given sport. We're talking about the NBA here, but uh, I think we've made great strides, but it's far from a uh, perfect world in which we're living. Bigger issue for Carl Nassib in his own locker room with short-sighted, uh, biased individuals or with opponents? Is it more likely he's going to hear about it, be given a hard time, uh, hear stuff said to him while he's playing uh, from an opponent just because he's an opponent? Or do you think the, the the close nature of the locker room that is going to actually still be an area where there's going to be work needed to be done? You know, I think, you know, it's interesting. I mean, what, what Wade had said was there is so much work that when – uh, in behind the scenes that we didn't see or hear for the last, you know, 10 years, coaches are educated on how to talk about this stuff. Um, you know, teams are educated on this stuff. I mean, he went locker room by locker room and went through all this stuff. There were guys who were adamantly opposed to having gay teammates that are now appearing at events with him on, 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 you know, monthly basis. And he said that, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. There's never going to be a perfect situation. There's always going to be people. But um, he said that, uh, you know, and I think it's interesting is uh, there it's it's just going to be exist as a non-story you know i think you know if there's somebody that that comes out and says something you know i think i i would be surprised i think that over the years i think we've all increased our proximity to somebody in the lgbtq community um and with you know increased closeness comes increased understanding and i think that we're we're just in a better spot than we were with michael sam and you know in in even before that Connor, it's that dead period in the NFL. And I know this is where NFL coaches kind of get a little bit nervous. And I always go back to Bill Parcells. I always tell people this. When one of his guys, so to speak, would get a head coaching job, he'd give them little nuggets of advice. And one that always stuck with me was there are four or five things that happen every day in the NFL that you don't want to want to happen. And if you can't deal with it, Go get another job. I don't think Bill was talking about Frank Clark having an Uzi in his car. I don't think he was talking about poor Jalen Twyman, who's a rookie defensive tackle with the Vikings, getting shot four times in Washington, D.C. But, man, this is what happens, not just in the NFL, but society as a whole. 
How difficult is this dead period for coaches when they're concerned about what guys are doing and and where they're putting themselves, what type of situations they put themselves in at times? Well, it's crazy, too, because if you think about it, all these coaches last year almost had a a false sense of comfort, right? Because nobody was going anywhere. Nobody was doing anything. And if you're a first-time head coach last year, and I'm thinking about all the guys that got new jobs last year, like Kevin Stefanski, um, you know, you're almost like, well, this is what this, a real off season feels like now. Now I'm on edge. Now I got to worry about where all these guys are, what they're doing, who they're spending time with. But you know, I, I think it's it's one of those things where this stuff is inevitable. I mean, it's it's going to happen, and uh, you know, you just hope that if from a coaching perspective, you hope that that culture that you created kind of permeates throughout the off season. And if before a guy leaves the the house to do something that he's not supposed to do, he thinks twice about it. You know, and I think some coaches are are good and able to do that, um, but but there are some players who are always just going to do what they're going to do, and uh, that that leads to a uh, a lot of anxious this time of year <laughs> on that difficult balanced plate that the coach uh, needs to spin all year long 365 and uh, yes might be even harder when the players are not around because all you do is worry about it. Uh, there's a lot that every NFL coach has on their plate this year adding to it above and beyond uh, play calling and keeping the team moving forward and everything else is the vaccine Uh, Because it has become a big issue. The NFL has put uh, certain rules and regulations in place. If you have X amount of players vaccinated, that you don't have to follow certain rules as compared to those who choose not to be vaccinated, who do have to still stay within the protocols. Uh, Some players like Cole Beasley are getting really outspoken about it. His latest quote, I got to be honest with you, I, I surely don't agree with. And I'm not sure I even understand that he said, I'd rather die than not live. So not getting vaccinated to him is considered living. Okay, Cole, if you say so, I don't get that, but that's fine. Uh, It is becoming a little divisive with certain players. Is that going to be an issue in locker rooms? Are those who have gotten vaccinated going to have an issue with the guys who are not so that they have to treat their teammates differently and the coaches have to handle the overall team differently and the like? I, I think it's got to be a personal choice thing, but some people are taking it a little harshly, at least in my estimation, as to how the league is handled and the like. How big a deal is this going to be when camp reopens for all the teams across the National Football League? I think that it's going to be a huge deal. I mean, you're seeing in Carolina that the starting quarterback, you know, yeah. is getting vaccinated. And if the starting quarterback is, you know, undergoing different rules and restrictions and he's supposed to be the guy that's allowed to have hands on everybody and everything in the facility. And so, um, you know, that's going to complicate matters. And, uh, you know, I, I think that we always go back to this idea that uh, locker room is a microcosmic society and, you know, vaccine is, is, is a hot debate in our, in our society right now. So it's going to be a hot debate in locker rooms. I imagine that guys are going to have real conversations about this and, uh, and that it's going to get heated at some point, but I just keep going back to, you know, what's the right answer, who's doing the right thing. And, you know, I'm thinking about Ron Rivera who, you know, had, you know, a scientist come in, talk to his team and not only a scientist, but, a black scientist, right? Because there's hesitancy in, in black communities about vaccines <laughs> specifically. And so, you know, trying to meet these guys um, at, at a common ground, trying to explain the benefits of it. And from there, you just hope that it goes well. I mean, you know, the, the 
we're we're not seeing a ton of teams, you know, hit that max threshold, right? And so that means that there's a lot more Cole Beasley's out there who just kind of aren't as outspoken as Cole Beasley. So is this going to get complicated? I, I think there's no doubt. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested to see where it goes from here. You know, there's, there's, Connor, there's a difference between, say, Bruce Arians, who's got all this cachet as a Super Bowl winning coach, Tom Brady, veteran guy. Everybody loves him. Got this folksy kind of wisdom. He goes out there and says, you know, you want to get back to normal, get vaccinated. And I can't prove it, but I bet you at the end of the day, the Bucs aren't going to have an issue with this. Most of the guys, they're going to hit the 85% threshold. Can't, can't say it, but I'm going to predict it. Um, rookie head coach, we have one in Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni. He doesn't have that cachet. How much more difficult do you think it is for younger coaches, first-time coaches, rookie coaches, versus somebody with the gravitas of a Bruce Arians? It's extremely difficult, and that's why I think, you know, you're seeing even guys like Ron Rivera who have been to a Super Bowl lean on somebody else to do that talking, right, you know, and to and to take the, the lead on that in your locker room because, you know, it's a dicey situation. And if you're a coach, you have to decide, is this the place that I want to put my foot down for the first time and, and basically divide a locker room? And do I have the ears to be able to get them back if I need it? And uh, that's, that's going to be a really delicate balance to strike, especially for someone like Sirianni. You're coming into a situation a little late. There's still a lot of veteran leadership in that locker room, especially on the offensive line, guys that you can't lose, you can't afford to lose. And so um, you know, if you're him, you know, you really have to do what some of these coaches have done in the past, which is almost reverse engineer, it, which is get the players that you need to get on your side and then work through them. And uh, and I think that would be my advice. I'm sure other coaches would tell them the same thing, because you make a great point. It, you know, if you're not Bruce Arians, if you're not Bill Belichick, you don't get to just come out there and say, hey, come on, guys, let's do this and, and let's quit jerking around. Um, you know, that's not it doesn't sound the same coming out of uh, <laughs> Nick Sirianni's mouth, unfortunately. John predicted that uh, the Bucks will get up to 85% because of Bruce Arians' strong stance. I'll take the Steelers. And Mike Tomlin has done the same thing. And I think he's the kind of guy who can stand up in a room and say, listen, guys, we really need to do this. If you got it, any of you have a problem, let's come talk in my office. But the rest of you guys sitting on a fence, just do the thing. We need it for the Steelers. And it'll get done. Um, we were talking earlier, John and myself, about a comparison between Carson Wentz and Ben Simmons we're dealing with here in Philadelphia. We know Carson Wentz is no longer here. He kind of talked his way out of town, made it very well known without coming out and directly saying it to the media that he didn't want to be here. The Eagles made the decision that they were moving on from him, even though it meant a huge dead money cap hit this year. They got a decent return, not, not as high as some people thought that he should uh, get back, but he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL to come away with what they did. wasn't terrible. But the point I'm trying to get to and ask you is, he talked his way out of town. Aaron Rodgers is trying to talk his way out of town. The Packers are playing it the way they're playing it. The Eagles kept pretty closed mouth about it uh, with the public, but behind closed doors, they were uh, trying to find a suitor for Carson Wentz, ended up shipping him to Indianapolis. When is the pressure point? When does it get to either the Packers or, far, or uh, Rodgers is it the first day of camp when he doesn't show up? When does the you-know-what hit the fan with the Aaron Rodgers-Green Bay Packer relationship? I think it's a couple days into camp. I think then that's when everybody starts to get nervous. And, uh, 
and freak out a little bit. But it's interesting because I just think that both of these sides are hurting themselves. You know, it's not like there's one side that's obviously winning this tug of war. You know, if I think about Aaron Rodgers, I mean, of course I want to be there, but you know, you have to convince the Packers that you're willing to sit out probably one of one of the two final seasons of your athletic prime. And, and that's it. You don't get that back. That never comes back. And so I don't think he's doing a great job of, you know, really making them think that he's not going to be there when, when push comes to shove, you know, and on the other side, you have a guy like Jordan Love who has had some bad days of practice, but you have to consider what the offensive system that the Packers have installed does for quarterbacks like Jordan Love. Like, they can win 10 games with Jordan Love. Wow. In that system. They wow. won 10 games with Jimmy Garoppolo in that system. You know, um, they won, you know, a lot of teams that run that outside zone offense, you know, you're winning 10, 11 games with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee with Derrick Henry. Um, I think you can win nine or 10 games with Jordan Love in that system. And I'm not saying that it's perfect. Um, I'm just saying a lot of smart coaches and a lot of good teams are running it. And I think that he could pick it up. Um, but uh, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is obviously better, right? He transcends the system. He 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 brings you from a team that could maybe scratch and claw for a wild card berth to the Super Bowl. It's obvious his talent there, but um, I think if you're Green Bay, you have to you have to play your cards like you've been playing them now. I mean, at this point, what are you going to do? He wants you to fire the general manager. You're going to fire your general manager. Uh, that's that's a horrible precedent to set. And I think then you're just setting yourself up to get knocked around for the rest of the time that he feels like being there. And, uh, and so I think that's a dangerous situation too. So it's going to be interesting, but I I would say probably two or three days into camp before everybody starts looking around and saying, okay, maybe he's really not coming back. To kind of further the Rogers discussion, Connor, you, you mentioned, I'm a little surprised you said Green Bay could win 10 games with Jordan Love. Let's say he does leave. I think the most obvious landing spot would be Denver. What? How does that shake up the landscape of the NFL? You see everything Minnesota's getting back on the defensive side of the football. Maybe it spikes them a little bit up in the NFC North. And is Denver, do they become a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Does Aaron Rodgers make that kind of difference on both ends of the spectrum. Are the Vikings the favorites? Are Broncos in the conversation? How big of a shift would it, would it be? I think it would be uh, seismic in the AFC. I think you, you would make Denver a prohibitive Super Bowl favorite. I love that yeah. roster. I love so that. I. Yeah. Um, you know, they, lo- they are loaded on defense this year, and you have the best defensive coordinator in the league. That's a good th- – those are two good things to have. Um, and I think they did a nice job at addressing some of the needs on offense. Um, you know, they got, uh, they got an interior offensive lineman in the draft who can play right away. They got a great running back. And so I, I think that team is ready. Now, uh, Aaron Rodgers, it takes him some time, right, to acclimate to a system. It takes him time to acclimate to receivers. Um, that's why we don't see a lot of rotation at that position in Green Bay because he needs guys to do what he wants them to do. So it would that be an interesting component of the offseason? Yeah, but I, I think Denver easily becomes a prohibitive Super Bowl favorite there. Now, in, in the North, in the NFC, um, I, I, I still really like Green Bay. I mean, I think that this is a good roster. I think that um, the way that things are run, of course you do things a little bit differently because you can't depend on Aaron Rodgers to, to get things done. But if you have coaches who coach that outside zone scheme well, if you have a running back who can run that system well, 
everything looks the same, it's still difficult for defenses to stop. I would probably still roll the dice and take my chances with the Packers there. While you were talking, I got a text from a buddy of mine named A. Reed, who said, does Connor realize that the Kansas City Chiefs have been to two consecutive Super Bowls and he's making the Denver Broncos the prohibitive favorite? I, I think I know who it was, but I'm, I got to double check. I'll get back to that one. All right, uh, uh, Connor, let me ask you about another big story uh, that's broken in the last 24, 48 hours. We've been leading up to it for months, if not years, but uh, uh major court decision came down that college athletes are going to be able to make money. Amateur status is going by the boards in college sports. And it's about time uh, through their own likeness, ability to sell autographs, uh, not going to go into every way that they can, but it may very well include uh, more direct payments from universities and the like. Um, the amateurism of uh, college sports is going by the wayside. And I, I think rightfully so. How big an impact is that going to have one step removed from the NFL? Of course, we got to deal with it first on a collegiate level, but this is an NFL show. You're an NFL writer. How is college athletes getting paid going to affect their transference into the National Football League? So I was thinking about this the other day, and I think what struck me is we're already at a point where the draft – and a lot of this stuff, uh, you know, college football has become so homogenized where you're basically just throwing a bunch of guys from the SEC in a pool and you're picking them in the first round. I mean, you know, that's basically <laughs> what you're doing. And that's going to increase twofold, right? Because all the schools that can afford to pay these guys are going to get the best players and you're going to see everybody migrate there. And so, uh, you know, then your development at the next level to the NFL depends on your success in one of these four or five systems. And so if all these guys are running four or five offenses, then the offensive coordinators in the NFL have to run those offenses. Then the coaches in the NFL have to coach those offenses. The GMs have to, you know, and it'll have, a, a I think, a, an effect like that where I think that the nice part about the amateurism was the fact that there was talent that was spread out so far and wide and it led to a kind of a broader exchange of ideas. It led to, you know, teams saying, well, we drafted this guy from Toledo and look at the offense that they run and here's all the cool things we could do from there and blah, blah, blah. But I think that you're going to see less of that if basically there's going to be four or five football prep academies in college and uh, you're wow. basically going to have to pick the guys out of them. I mean, I think that's going to be the, the dangerous part here. That's why Connor's great, man. That is, there's always unintended consequences, but that's a Pandora's box that even I didn't think of. So well done, Connor Orr. Uh, I do think people don't, you know, it's often linear and they don't think about those unintended consequences. It is going to have a big impact on the NFL, but more important than any SCOTUS decision, Tim Tebow did not get invited to tight end university. <laughs> He did not get invited to tight end university, which is taking place in Nashville this week. George Kittle, uh, Greg Olson put it together. Uh, tongue planted firmly in cheese. <laughs> but I do, I do want to talk about this cottage industry. We had Colin Thompson on, who's a tight end for the Panthers right now. Because of the way the NFL offseason is set up, you have all these uh, personal coaches, quarterback coaches, uh, footwork coaches, pass rushing specialists, everything. Offensive line, Lane Johnson does masterminds, um, tight end view now. But the coaches 
worry about that kind of stuff. In other words, they have them in their building and they're teaching them a certain way. And then they go somewhere else to work with who knows who. And maybe they're teaching some habits they don't want to be taught, for lack of a better phraseology. The short answer is yes. They, uh, you know, and, and that, and that speaks to both the ego of the coaches and the, our natural instinct to question everything that we're told. Right. And so there's a yin and a yang there. And then in the middle is probably best practice somewhere. And so I think what's interesting is there are mechanisms in place that coaches have and NFL trainers have um, to be able to kind of tell what these guys have been doing in the off season, you know, there's biomarker tests and all these health things. So when a player comes back into the facility, they can have them hop on all these machines and say, okay, you know, I asked you to work on this. I asked you to work on this. It's clear that you haven't been doing that. Um, your legs aren't strong enough. Your arms aren't strong enough. You know, this is where we have to go from here, but it's interesting. I mean, some of these schemes are so finite down to these granular details where you want a running back to hit a target. That's the back heel of a tight end on a running play. And if he's working out with a private coach, he says, no, you're going to do better if you cut up this way and do that. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have, you know, a bunch of time explaining something to somebody during camp that you didn't expect to be wasting. And so I think that it's tough, but at the same time, you're, if you're a coach, if you're a GM, you know, these guys do help these players come into the season feeling better prepared. And that's really the most important thing is like, do these guys show up excited, ready to play and believing in themselves and the rest of it, you can really kind of get around um, one way or another. So I, I think that, you know, they're, they're worried about it. They're concerned about it. They keep their eye on it. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, they realize that there's not a whole lot they can do about it. Bum day or TiVo did not get the invite to the tight end <laughs> gathering. That's just wrong. He'll show him. He'll, he's going to show everybody. And uh, <laughs> I need to know where next week the uh, long snapper convention is going to be because <laughs> I need to do some research on that. Um, wanted to go here. Don't think, I, I think, Connor, we had you on afterwards, but I don't know if I asked you about it. The NFL is going to have its biggest season ever, which I pimp both ESPN and the NFL Network because they've announced it's the biggest season ever uh, purely because they're playing 17 games. So I guess uh, technically they are correct. It is the biggest season ever. I would personally wait till after a season's played to decide it's the biggest season ever, but they're doing it in advance. We're going to play a 17th game this year. It's adding about 7% more workload than players have been asked to handle before. How is that practically going to play out on the field? Is there going to be any difference than we can see other than the season goes one week longer and everybody's going to make more money because the TV contracts go up. But in practicality on the field, are we going to be able to put a, uh, a judgment on the quality of the product because it's an extra game? Will coaches coach differently? Will rosters be managed differently because we're playing 17 rather than 16? Not right away, but I bet that the coach who figures that out first is going to do really well, and then everybody's going to run out ahead and copy him, right? It's like, who are the first NBA coaches that really got heavy into load management with their star players and didn't really care that people Greg were... Popovich. That would be Greg yeah. Popovich. Yeah. Yes, he was, he was the grandfather yeah. of load management. Yeah, and I don't care if you're paying to go see Tim Duncan. We're not going to play Tim Duncan, you know? And I think that... 
if, you know, maybe it exists, you know, five or 10 years down the road where Andy Reid says, I don't care if you're showing up here to see Patrick Mahomes, it's week 16 and we're 10 and three, you know, whatever. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't need him right now and he's not going to play the rest of the season. And, you know, that's that. And I think that that's probably the, the Pandora's box that the NFL is afraid to open up, but um, the nice thing about it is I, I don't think that it probably affects too many people, right? Like, and, and if it did, you wouldn't care, right? Because you'd want to load manage your running backs, your your offensive linemen, you know, the guys that are, you know, in the more physical positions and fans aren't going to freak out if they can't see Eric Fisher, you know, on Sunday. I, th- I think they'll be okay about that. But um, I do think that at some point load management is going to become a big concern. I think that at some point, you know, if I'm the players, I probably fight to get a second bye week in there. You know, you probably want a second bye week in, included in the next CBA whenever you do that. And but until then, it's uh, it's it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I don't think the product is going to dilute um, week 17 uh, or whatever it'll be, week 19. Um, you know, there's still going to be something to watch. You know, I think everybody's saying, "Oh, this is going to be horrible, and it's going to be all these terrible games, and nobody's going to want to play." the NFL will find a way to make week 19 watchable. They find a way to make everything watchable. And so there will be something to watch in week 19. Uh, Connor, last one for me, because you just sparked something in me. And that was the NFL's attempt to get away from uh, Toradol uh, talking about uh, opioids and obviously having more open-minded policies on cannabis as, as a potential pain reliever. But you brought up load management. Look, I don't care what anyone does. They, they can uh, have as much uh, smoke as much as they want, <laughs> edibles. That's not going to help you get on the field. Uh, and, and I go back to Lane Johnson, who took, I think it was two or three shots of Toradol to get through a game. When you talk about load management, if you're not letting guys take Toradol anymore, does that just play in the load match? Because they're not going to be able to play. I mean, they're just not going to be able to play if they smoke a joint or not. You can't get through the game. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, the difficult part here is that the NFL, you know, I remember people asking Roger Goodell about this 10 years ago, The, the you know, about uh, load management, pain management, Toradol, opioid use. I mean, you're seeing what these guys are doing after they're done playing and it's just, it's not okay. You know what they need to, to, to ingest to get through a day, never mind a football game. And so, I think that there needs to be a more holistic kind of whole body approach. And there are players who have people in their corners who are helping them. Like, you know, um, our writer Greg Bishop did a story on Andrew Whitworth where he's eliminated every kind of pain management. He doesn't even take Advil, you know, and he says that my body will eventually get used to this if I keep playing through it. And, you know, well, that might not work for everybody. You know, I think that there needs to be those kind of ideas where, you know, these players need to be treated as individual humans. You know, what makes you uh, depend on this? What makes you need this? What, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I think that there needs to be an entire sea change shift in the NFL and how we approach player health, um, player management. But it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, I think that, you know, Toradol will still be handed out in locker rooms. I don't think it's going to be, it's going to go away. Um, But I think that the NFL realizes its culpability in this and is trying to, at the last minute, like always, um, you know, try to do this hard shift when you can't, you need, this is a long-term problem that they have to solve. And I think it's, it's going to take a while. It's going to take some time to figure this out. 
Last one for me, Connor. And again, thanks much for hopping on with us. Um, this round in the NBA playoffs wasn't nearly as bad with fan behavior as the opening round of the playoffs. Yeah, somebody threw a plastic water bottle on the Sixers court the other <laughs> night when they got eliminated by the Hawks. Philly had two incidents. Thank you very much. Um, but they had spitting in New York and uh, r- ridiculously bad uh, treatment of uh, fans from the other team in Utah. Getting back into full arenas, we knew there was going to be some issues. Uh, just people had gotten out of the normal behavior, weren't used to it, got to get back into the uh, accepted behaviors and norms of fan behavior. I've always thought of football fans as the rowdiest of all fans. They're the only ones with guys with no shirts on and complete body painting and the like. They were, they are, they're football fans. How big a deal is that going to be this year that we're playing at capacity stadiums again in the National Football League? Is it going to be something that it's going to take a month? It's going to take all season? Is it going to be an issue at all? Do you think that's something the NFL has to be uh, very wary of when they open up this season in full capacity situations again? I would say I'm less worried about the NFL in terms of interactions with players because the proximity is such that if you're seated really close to the players, um, you're smart enough not to be a knucklehead because the right, you know, a person who's going to walk in there and, and, and be a knucklehead is not going to be able to afford seats that are close enough to the players anyway. But um, <laughs> I would say that, you know, what I'm worried about um, is, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, in, I'm in New Jersey and so I'm at MetLife Stadium a lot. And, uh, you know, you walk by the state police barracks down there and there's always something going on. I mean, it's not like there's ever an incident-free game. What's going to happen when, we kind of start to plop people together with a, a tailgate time worth full alcohol and it's still a little bit turbulent. I mean, look at all the societal issues that we've talked about in the last 15 minutes of this show. I mean, it's all very real still and it's all still going on and people are still upset about it, but now we're all in the same, you know, concrete bowl together and we've had a few drinks. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see how we behave with one another um, in, in NFL stadiums, just because, Unlike the NBA, I feel like it's 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 too hard um, to uh, to get on top of players in the NFL. I mean, unless you know somebody tries something crazy during a Lambo leap or something like that, you know, there's there's really kind of a little bit more of a buffer zone for players in the NFL. Connor, great stuff. We appreciated you coming on before. We appreciated you today. Oh, guess what? We're going to tap into you again down the road. Uh, so be on the lookout for my text. Thanks so much for joining us, Connor. Appreciate it. I saw Les Bone was on. Can somebody yeah. please uh, tell him I said congratulations on a wonderful career and uh, looked up to him for many, many years and uh, appreciate all that he did for the business. So thank you, Les. We will do that for you uh, when we get Les up. Rest assured. Thanks. Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated here with us on Birds 365. All right, Jody Mac, Danny Mac here with you on <laughs> Birds 365. When we come back, I want to give an acknowledge to other Philadelphia football writers. We got McMullen. We got the retiring Bowen. Give a little props to Brandon Lee Gowton and uh, Philly Voice's own Jimmy Kemsky, who came up with 30 over-unders on their uh, Bleeding Green Nation podcast, which I read yesterday, and I found some of them very interesting. I told Johnny Mac I wanted to run some of them by him uh, today. We'll do that when we come back next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. 
But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Tuesday edition of Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, coming up in ooh, about 20 some odd minutes, uh, Les Paul was scheduled to join us. Uh, the announcement just came down this week that uh, Les is packing up his pen, will not be uh, covering the birds for the daily news, uh, took his buyout from them. He will be tremendously missed. I think he's done a great job covering Eagles low these many years. We'll talk to Les about that coming up in less than 20 minutes. But before we get there. Um, did see this yesterday in a couple of places, certainly on Bleeding Green Nation, because of the Bleeding Green Nation podcast that uh, our buddy Gregory <clears throat> Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice uh, got together and ran down 30 over-unders. And I think most of you understand what over-unders is, right? Uh, betting wagers specifically uh, decided by statistics, compiled uh, numbers and the like. And uh, man, I had 
a fun time doing this. As a matter of fact, as we were going through it, I was voting. And I got to give the nod to the Eagle fans out there. E either I'm just uh, a fool or I am on the same wavelength with the Eagle fans. But almost every time that I voted, I ended up on the side that was getting the higher percentage of the vote. Because it's one of those things you do on a website, you vote, and they tell you what the percentage breakout is. I was on the same side with Eagle fans on most of these. That, therefore, I have to believe that all Eagle fans are smart because they think like me. Uh, and But I just had a tremendous time doing it. Johnny Mac, mm -hmm. I want to run these by you and see which way you lean for a whole bunch of Eagle over-unders. Jalen Hurts quarterback rating for this upcoming season. Over-under 87.5. Oof. Um, better be over. Um that's very middling uh, in these days. Doesn't sound bad, but 87.5 is pretty bad. I'm going to go over. I have more confidence in, in Jalen Hurts. You know I do too, uh, so I'm certainly going over. And uh, But I will give him this. I think 87.5 was right around where they had to set it. Maybe 88, maybe 89. It should have been below 90 because uh, he is a basically uh, second-year quarterback borderline rookie quarterback because he only started uh, four games last year. I thought they set a fair number on it. Most on the over, uh, which means Eagle fans are optimistic. That's a good thing. Here's one I didn't quite get. Hertz's fumbles. 14 and a half. I, I know he fumbled the ball uh, last year, but again, thrown into the deep end of the pool. Didn't know he was going to be the starting quarterback. He's got all year to prep to be the starting quarterback this year. And just my own personal belief, John, and I, you and I have never talked about this. Um, if a quarterback fumbles and he recovers it himself, to me, that should only count as a half. A you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Fumble. If you don't lose the ball... Yes, you lose the possibility to throw it downfield to make a first down. So you need to demark it in some way. But if you recover it, well, then that's not that big a deal. So I would only count that as a half a fumble. But in the way that they're... Well, they do, they do fumbles and fumbles lost. So they, right. they pack that in. And then defensively, you have forced fumbles and fumble recoveries. So they kind of factor that in. Understood. And uh, they're not differentiating at in this stat. It's just... Total fumbles, 14 and a half. Jalen Hurts, you going under or over? Oh, I'm going way under. Come on, 14 and a half. I got, see, I hope Pamela Hurts is listening to this because I think more of Jalen Hurts than most people around this league do. Because right. I'm not criticizing Jimmy and Brandon. These are numbers that people are, 
14 and a half, no way he's fumbling the football 14 and a half times. Yeah, no. And I say the same thing. And again, when I voted yesterday, it was, uh, what was the under? Oh, under percentage, 75-25 on the under. So we're not alone. Eagle fans think with us. Um, but the only guy who's a bigger Jalen Hurts fan than you is me for Mrs. Hurts. Thank you very much. Um, Joe Flacco starts one and a half this upcoming season. Jalen Hurts can get hurt. Yeah, uh, that's a good number. Yeah, I, I do think we just talked about load management. Seventeen games with with Connor Orr, um, one and a half games. That's not a lot in the modern NFL to to miss two games. I'm I'm going to go over on that. Maybe a sprained ankle, maybe something of that nature. I don't think he's going to get pulled for lack of performance, um, because I think the Eagles are intent on finding out what they have. But I think he's going to miss a couple games. Uh, I'm going to go over. Here's how I would hedge. And I like hedging. I think uh, if you hedge in life, you can be much happier. Uh, So many people in this world today need to get to the polar opposite ends of every single stance that they take. I like a comfortable gray area in the middle. Here's what I'll say about Flacco. I think he'll play in more than one and a half games. But I don't think he'll start more than one and a half games. I think Jalen could get hurt in games and have to miss action. And Flacco might have to go in a couple plays, maybe a, a quarter, maybe all half. But I don't know that it'll be uh, the overall start. So I, I go under on that one. Deshaun Watson snaps in an Eagle uniform this year. 0.05. In mm. other words, will yeah. he be a Philadelphia Eagle at all? Of course, if he's an Eagle, it's going to be yeah. way over a half a snap. Or he's not going to be an Eagle. He's not going anywhere. Uh, Will Deshaun Watson be an Eagle this year? Basically, yes or no is the question. Yeah, I don't think he will. So I'm going the under. I just don't think it's going to be clarified enough, his situation for the Eagles to make that move. But, yeah, I've said it since the beginning. If If they clarify it, and even if that means a significant suspension, six, eight games, then I think everything's on the table. But I don't think it's going to get clarified, so I'm going under. See, again, give credit to the Eagle fans. Uh, 94% under. They're saying the same exact thing you just said. Would like to see it, maybe, but, yeah, not happening. Devonta Smith's yardage this year, 912 yards. What's the stat, Jay Mack? You would know this better than me. Eagles had no wide receivers. that 600 had yards. 600 six, yards 600. in Two consecutive seasons. Two straight seasons, no wide receiver, 600 yards. So let's set the bar for Devonta at 900 and change, which seems kind of unfair. If they couldn't have one receiver in two years get to 600, why would you expect this guy to get 912? Because he can actually play the position, and um, it's easy to get 900 yards in the modern NFL. Plus, we're going an extra game. So I'm going over. Uh, and that extra game helps. Look, I said he's not getting 1,400 yards uh, like Justin Jefferson did because the Eagles are not built that way to throw the football that much. But he's getting over 912 if he's healthy, and you got to assume he's healthy. Right. That That's part of the assumption you got to make. I'll assume health, and I'll say over 912 as well. Devonta touchdowns, four and a half. Over I'm going over. I'm going over. I, I think he's going to be the centerpiece of their passing game. So he's going to get a lot of traffic. 
Um, he's going to get a lot of targets and he's going to get a lot of opportunities. So even if it's a disappointing season, I think he's going to have a thousand yards and seven or so touchdowns. Yeah. Speaking of comps, Greg Ward, maybe you've heard of him, had six touchdowns last year. So do I think Devonta Smith can do what Greg Ward did last year? Yes, I do. So I'm taking over four and a half. By the way, 94% say over on that one. Uh, Miles Sanders rushing yards, 1,023 and a half. Under or over? I'm going over for the same reason, extra game. Uh, even if Miles misses a couple games, which I expect him to, um, if you do the math, you know, you get to 60 yards, you're, you're going to be way over that number. Um, Got to stay healthy. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be over. And I think the Eagles are going to be a more run-based team. Now, I never say run first, because the, but there's going to be balance, because there has to be balance. So I think he's going to go over. I was surprised. Right now the vote is uh, actually under, 59% under. 1023 i'm with you extra game uh don't know about the new system yes we know jeff lawyer probably be whispering in nick sirianni's ear throw the ball throw the ball we don't throw the ball enough still that being said uh, i'm gonna go over with you you and i are on the exact same page there dallas goddard receiving yards 809.5 over under uh i'm going over He's going to be the tight end one, and he's going to be Jalen Hurts' security blanket. I mean, young quarterback, six foot six target in the middle of the field. He's going to default to him a lot. Uh, so I think he's going over that number. Yeah, this is one that I'm not as optimistic. I'm going under. Um, 62% are leaning on the under two. Uh, again, I, I was surprised how many times I was in lockstep with the majority of what the people uh, were suggesting. All right, more receiving yards this year. Jalen Rager or Travis Fogum. Which way are you going? Oof, that's a good one. Um, better be Jalen Rager. Uh, I'm going to go Jalen Rager because they're going to give him every opportunity uh, to get more than Travis Fogum or Greg Ward or anybody else. So just from that, I'm going to lean on Jalen Rager. Hopefully, he doesn't fall on his face. This was one of those that I actually went against the grain, and I took Travis Fulgham. Eagle fans are certainly leaning in two, uh, two to one in Jalen Rager's uh, direction, but uh, even more so than that, seventy-eight to twenty-two, uh, some more, almost three to over three to one. Um, I I was uh, taken. I was impressed by Travis Fulgham last year, and I think he can keep it up. Uh, so I'll go against you and Eagle Nation on that one. Who gets more total offensive touches this year? Boston Scott or Kenny Gainwell? Um, Boston Scott. Uh, Kenny Gainwell's not going to be ready to play. I think he's going to be a manufactured player. I think he's going to be that type of player who gets maybe two or three touches a game. They're going to split them out uh, wide when they have four wides or five wides and try to use them that way. I think he's sort of a developmental type of project. Uh, so I think they're going to default a little bit more to Boston Scott and carry on Johnson if he's healthy for that matter. Uh, this one was easy for me. Kenny Gainwell, and there'll be a very simple reason for it. I don't think Boston Scott's yeah, going to make well, the team. 
That's fair. So he cannot be, he can't get more touch. If one of the two of them makes it, the other doesn't, that's pretty much a, a layover. I, 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 I think he's on the bubble as well, but I think, I don't think they're keeping Jordan Howard over Boston Scott. So no, I think I'm, it's I'm gonna, the I think it's going to be Kerry on Johnson. You think they're going to keep four running backs? Yeah, I think they're going to keep four. Okay, and well then you know, we'll probably make the team. I think they may keep more wide receivers than most people think because Jeff Laurie is going to say pass the ball, pass the ball. But that's uh, again we're getting off track. Uh, total number of rookies that make the team eight and a half. Now, this is the 53-man roster, not the active on game day roster, but on the roster, not counting practice squad. Rookies, eight and a half. Uh, Let's see. 2021 Eagles draft. Uh, Who's going to make the team? I think everybody's going to make the team except potentially um, Patrick Johnson. Um. So how many is that? Uh, Eagles had nine draft picks. Yeah, that's eight. Um, so then you, you always what we talked about Connor Orr with ego with NFL coaches. They always want to keep one undrafted guy. Always, 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 always. <laughs> I'm going to go over for that reason. Okay. Um, I'll say under, but I know I'm probably swimming upstream. Um, only 47% said Obra. Actually, I got the majority on my side on the under two. Uh, but I, I, I'm readily acknowledge, uh, that, that that's going to be tough because yes, uh, you always want to keep, uh, your drafted players. I, and Landon Dickerson starts six and a half over or under. Under, um, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if he's going to be healthy for week one. That that plays into it. Remember, he, he tore his ACL late, um, so it's a big guy. I think they want to be cautious. Uh, number one, so that plays into it. And then, you know, it, it Isaac Sayamalo and Brandon Brooks and Jason Kelsey are going to play if they're healthy. So I got to assume they're going to be healthy. I'm, maybe that's uh, pie in the sky with Brandon, but we'll see. They're healthy. They're going to be out there. I think it's one of the easier ones. I think it's absolutely an under. Uh, number one, we don't know when he's going to be able to play. And number two, we don't know if he's going to be needed. So I would absolutely go under on this one. Here's one where I think you'll go. I know where you'll go. Andre Dillard starts this year with either the Eagles or someone else. Wow, wow. Three and a half. You over. Going over or under? Over. over I think yeah. he's going to be the starting left tackle of this team. And I know I'm in the minority, but i just been around this league too long, man. They're going to default to the first-round pick, even if Howie Roseman forces them to. Yeah, yeah, you and I are in agreement on that one. You're well on the record that you're – both of us are on the record that we're leaning toward him actually winning the starting job. Sorry to our boy, Mr. Maialata. Uh, Derek Barnett sacks, six and a half, over under. Ooh, that's a good one. If he's healthy, but he's never healthy, I'm going over. Um, I'm going to go over. Contract year, a lot of incentives for Derek Barnett to play well. And I think he's a good player. Most of the issues have been health. He's been banged up. I don't know if he can stay healthy. But that contract year, I think, is going to spark him. I think he's going over. Yeah, the people think over. It's 54% as well. I think under. 
I'm sorry, I'm I'm not a Derek Barnett fan. I think Ryan Kerrigan gets more than six and a half sacks. I don't think Derek Barnett does. All right, Darius Slay interceptions, two, over or under? Under. Who's going to throw at him, Jerry? Yeah, that's the problem. Who's going to throw at him? You know, uh, it, it's a small number, so I think it's a good uh, a good placement because you have to throw it sometimes. And Darius is coming off a year where uh, he didn't produce. Traditionally, he gets a lot of interceptions, but I wouldn't even look his way. So I got to go under. All right. Uh, the CB2, of course, from Darius Slay, is currently on the roster or not on the roster? Not on the roster. Not on the roster. Is it 53% as compared to 47? I'm actually surprised that it's 53-47. I thought it'd be more like... Much uh, closer than I Two-thirds, one-third, as a matter of fact. Um, uh, How many Eagles make the initial Pro Bowl roster? That's before guys start begging off because of injury, blah, 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 blah. And you get the replacements. There are years where the replacements are just as plentiful as the original players that are named to the squad. So just initial pro bowlers over under two and a half. You'd think Fletcher Cox is one of them. You coming up with another two guys? Yeah, I'm going over. I'm going over uh, for reputation because this team has enough guys with reputations. Fletcher, remember Brandon Graham broke through as well. He's a veteran. We have Kelsey on the offensive line, Brooks Johnson, if they're healthy. People are going to default to those names. I'm not even going to say all of them are going to deserve it, but I'm going to go over. All right. This one I actually think uh, they put a lot of thought into, and it just made me laugh out loud. Combined snaps this year for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jordan Matthews, Jalen Mills, Cameron Johnson, Rudy Ford, (laughs) Vinnie Curry, Duke Riley, Nate Gary, uh, Nate Sudfeld, Jason Peters, Nickel Roby Coleman, Craven LeBlanc, Corey Clement, Josh Perkins. You get them all, and you only get one snap. All you need is one snap. It's 0.5. Will one of those guys be coming back to Eagle Green at some time during the 2021 season? Yes. Yes. We know Howie Roseman's history. Somebody's going to get hurt, and he's going to go, oh, what's the first – Number in the phone. I'm going to go over somebody, and I can't tell you who because I would tell you individually, no, that person's not going to be back, but somebody will be back at some point. All right. So, you know, my follow up question just specifically to you, McMullen, has to be Jordan Matthews, Jalen Mills, Cameron Johnson, Rudy Ford, Vinny Curry, Duke Riley, Nate Gary, Nate Sudfeld, Jason Peters, Nickel Roby Coleman, Craven LeBlanc, Corey Clement, Josh Perkins. Which is most likely? Well, yeah, I would say none right now. But right, no, you got to pick one. I'm, I'm pick, holding your feet to fire, buddy. You got to come up with. You got to choose one of those 13, 14 names I just threw at you. I would pick Duke Riley for this reason. Mm-hmm. He might get cut, so you got to get cut. And Jalen Mills, for he ain't getting cut. Cam Johnson ain't getting cut for just the money they spend on those positions. I go Duke Riley because he might be cut. And the Eagles might need help on special teams, so they might bring him back and say that way. See, that's why John McMullen's on this time. Not only is it a smart answer, it's a well-thought-out answer with reasoning behind it. So don't be surprised. Uh, Those of you who bought your Duke Riley jerseys, you may be able to get it back out of the closet this year. Don't burn it just yet. 
All right, another one of my favorite ones. Rock, paper, scissors, celebration. Will someone come up with oh, a celebration yeah. using rock, oh, paper, yeah. and scissors this year? Yeah, it'll be one of the receivers or one of the the, the corners uh, if they ever get an interception. Um, yeah, yeah. Somebody's doing rock, paper, scissors. All and right. somebody from an opposing team. Like oh, troll the Eagles. They did not. Rock, paper, they scissors. did not uh, verify it. It had to be just Eagles. It yeah. could be an, an opposing team. Very good point again, McMullen. Um, all right, this I liked. Dolphins first round draft position, sixteen and a half. They own the Dolphins pick this year. Uh, Thirty-two under. Team. You we're, think we're it's under? Yeah, I'm not a Tua fan. I don't think he's the same guy since the injury. I think they're going to have a difficult season. I think it's going to be a positive for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going under 16 and a half. See, I'm going over. I am a Tua fan, and I think the Dolphins are going to be better than that. The Indianapolis Colts first-round position draft, 21 and a half mm. over under. That's that's a good number because that's where they'll be right in that. I'm going to go slightly under. I'm going to go. They're going to have the 20th pick. I'm going to go under, and I'm going to say the Colt pick will come up before the Dolphin pick. Mm, I actually mm. think the Dolphins will have a better season than the Colts. All right, Eagles draft position. Where will they select their own player? Nine and a half. Under. Ah, under. <laughs> he does so with pain on his face, Eagle fans. He's taking it harsh for you by saying under. No, actually, I got to be consistent. I'm changing. I said eight wins. Eight yeah. wins not going to get. And I, both. I got I got I got to go over. It's going to yeah. be 11, 12, 13, somewhere in that range. Fair enough. All right. And uh, I just added a couple of my own, uh, if you would uh, allow me. Uh, Greg Ward receiving yards, 419. Over, under. Over. Over, yes. Greg, you had total receptions, 53. Over or under? Under. Over. Greg Yard touch Greg Ward touchdown six under over <laughs> and uh, yards per catch Greg Ward nine seven point nine I'm going over he's going over have yeah all right you came yeah. over to my side for two out yeah. of the four I can't complain uh, the president of Greg Ward fan club of course says over on all of those over and unders all right uh, quickie timeout coming up and then we're going to be lucky enough to be joined by Les Bowen retiring beat writer for the Eagles. Joining us next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods. 
the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Mag and Mag guys here on Bird 365, a Tuesday edition Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we've still got uh, 40, uh, 30 plus minutes left here on this uh, Tuesday gathering. Um, waiting on Les Bowen. Damn, he's taking this retirement thing really seriously, J Mac. Yeah, man. He's living a life. Who knows? Well, he's gotten, you know, he's gotten so many emails. Maybe, you, you know, in the streaming world, you have to join the show uh, instead of calling somebody up. So I just texted him, hopefully. Uh, hopefully he'll get back to me, but uh, yeah, he's swamped. He's big time at us now. Less all the thanks, Connor or he's big time. Uh, do you think he's out golfing with Nick Fierro perchance? Perchance, yeah. you never know. You never know. But he did mention he's gotten so many emails. He's trying to get every every you know back to everybody. Which, by the way, is so interesting because I'll I'll uh, I can't even picture being this beloved. All I get is angry emails. Less this, less that. I'm a little jealous of less, to be honest. That's that's one of the upsides for uh, social media. Um, whatever you use, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're on. Uh, if you do need to talk to the masses, you can do so with one uh, missive, and you don't have to send emails to 500 people, nor do you have to field through 500 emails that come back to you. It's just uh, they're going to get back to you. They're going to get back to you. It's a lot, a lot easier now that we have social media. But apparently, Les is uh, going through it step by step, bit by bit, and we hope to get him up here uh, before the show comes and goes. Uh, he did. He did uh, text you and say he would come on, right, Johnny Mac? 
Yeah, he's uh, he's he is trying to find the link that Xander sent him. So he is uh, efforting to get on as we speak. Hey, he just Ooh. popped up. There's Les Bowen. And, so Xander, uh, get him up as quickly as possible. We snap now our fingers and we find Les Bowen. It doesn't get any better than that. How are you this morning, Les? I'm great, Jody. How are you? Good. We're very good. And we do want to pass along um, good well wishes from... Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated was oh, our guest earlier, and he heard me mention that we were having himself and you on the show today, and he said, I saw the, the news that uh, Les was stepping away. Look at him as a mentor and a guy I've always looked up to. So, no full well, Connor Orr sends his regards, same as, I don't know, these two Mac and Mac guys that you said you'd have on with. Uh, we appreciate you coming on board. Well, thanks. Yeah, and I, I, I really, I was just saying, Les, while we were waiting for you to hop on, I'm jealous. You got so much love. All I get, I open up my email, all I get is hate. So I can't picture being as beloved as Les Bowen is right now. So I'm amazed. I, you know, I, clearly I should not have retired if I'm this good. You know. <laughs> yeah, make sure you forward those all those emails uh, to your now former bosses. Um, I've thought about that, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think you should think about it some more. Um, what, why was now the time for you to step back from, uh, all the great hard work you put in of, uh, on Eagles over the years? Oh, a lot of reasons. Uh, well, I, I kind of was thinking next year would be a good time when I'd be 66, uh, for social security and all that stuff. You know, uh, I, I wanted to get in one good year, normal year, you know, without the zooms and the, you know, pandemic restrictions and so forth. But uh, my wife's retiring this year uh, from teaching, and we have a new regime in the sports department at the Inquirer that's going to be very different, not necessarily bad or anything, but. Oh, oh, Les froze up on us. Les froze up on us. Oh, and that's a great picture of him, too. David, can, <laughs> can you capture that and save yeah. that? That would now, be phenomenal. I, I was going to, hopefully it pops back and probably Les got on late, so he's probably not the best Wi-Fi. It's always good to plug in. But um, I was going to say, and I assume, Jody, uh, that Les lost in rock, paper, scissors. Oh, no. To Sirianni, he's never won. What exactly. are you guys? You can't, you can't do that to me. You've got Loser. me believing that Nick Sirianni has never won anything. So how could he beat Les Bowen at Rock, Paper, Scissors? A retirement match of Rock, Paper, Scissors. That's what I assumed went on. Now, Les is going to tell us the story. So it's not a retirement loss to Nick Sirianni and Rock, Paper, Scissors. No, not that. Uh, <laughs> no, we never got around to that, sadly. It's, it's one of those great un. Uh, one of the great what uh, what might have happened what ifs, yeah. in Philadelphia <laughs> sports history, but no, it was uh, you know new 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 regime in the sports department, not a bad thing. But uh, I'd worked for someone there that I'd known for more than thirty five years. I at sixty five, you know, proving yourself to a new boss and maybe reinventing yourself somehow if he has new ideas. You guys have all been through stuff like yeah, this, sure. you know. It just didn't, I wasn't, it didn't appeal to me that much. And then, you know, all that said, I would have still done it, but they came up with this buyout package. Uh, like a lot of media companies, I think we, you know, the Inquirer and Daily News uh, combined a few years ago. There's a lot of staff, a lot of older staff, because so many of us are boomers, you know, and uh, 
it's, uh, you know, they, they offered me basically, I, I wanted to work until like spring, early summer next year. And they offered to pay me for that without me doing the work. So, you know, seemed like a good thing. Les, I, I, you know, I'm hoping you're not going to Florida that quickly. You are going to be here through training camp. Is that is that sort of the transition period? Well, I'm not going to be working at training camp. Uh, and, and that's fine with me because, frankly, after I've done 19 training camps and, and that's kind of enough. I, standing out there in, in August getting, you know, skin cancer is, yeah. uh, is you know. <laughs> It's not uh, the most I, like. the I, I love the season. I wish I could just yeah. fast forward and cover the season again, but you can't have everything, you know, and I really am curious about Nick Sirianni's first year and what it's going to be like. Uh, but, but I'm pretty much, I'm on kind of on vacation now. So if, if they trade Zach Ertz, I might have to jump in or something <laughs> like that, but I'm kind of done. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, but that's disappointing because I wanted to have the opportunity to say goodbye over the summer. So, I'll yeah, do it I here. Know, and, and by the way, we're going to keep calling you. Yeah, so if you right. don't go to Florida, I'm going to keep texting you to come no up. No interest in Florida. I grew up in North Carolina. Florida is hot yeah. and it smells bad. Now, it, it, it's interesting, Les, because I did not know you mentioned your wife. She was hired first. Yeah. And then you kind of forced yourself into the building and never left. Tell that story. That's a great story. That's kind of the story of my life. (laughs) It was really kind of the same way with my first job in Charlotte. Although I wasn't married, I was, I started working in Charlotte uh, at the paper when I was 19, when I was a sophomore in college, just sort of answering phones and stuff and getting dinner for people, you know, who were working on the desk and things like that. Uh, And I kind of weaseled my way in there and got hired when I graduated from college uh, full time. But then I'd been there about five years uh, full time. And my wife, I met my wife, married my wife there in Charlotte and at the Observer. And she got a job at the Inquirer. And we were still really young at the time. And I felt like, okay, I've got to come up here with my wife. Uh, If nobody hires me, I'll go to graduate school or something. You know, I wasn't that worried about it. But I got a uh, what was supposed to be a temporary job at the Daily News as a copy editor. Ended up uh, copy editing for about five years, uh, which was really good for me because coming from Charlotte, which at that time was not a major league market in any sport. There was no Hornets. There was no Panthers. It was NASCAR and, and the ACC, you know, was everything down there. And Rick Blair. Yeah, Rick Flair, Rick yeah, Flair. yeah, and and minor league baseball. There was a Double A Orioles uh, affiliate, but you know, other than that, uh, you, you ended up interviewing like twelve year old tennis players and stuff in the summer. You know, um, I just wasn't. You know, it was not a market like this market. It still isn't, frankly, um, for a lot of reasons that would people would be bored to hear about. But uh, you know, five years of editing and reading. Mark Wicker, Ray Dinger, Rich Hoffman, Stan Hockman, uh, people like that really kind of prepared me for for writing in this market. And I needed that. I really did. It, it worked out very, very well. That's great to hear. Um, I need to answer this question because I've only been a radio guy. They got me doing YouTube now, which is basically the same as radio, mm-hmm. except you look at the camera. Um, but I've never been a writer in my entire life. You two guys have been. Um did you sign a no compete less when you uh, signed your last contract 
with the Daily News? Are there any restrictions? If there was a website that came to you and said, Les Paul, we can't believe you're not going to be covering Eagles this year. We'd like you to do that for us. Could you, would you? Uh, what is? What, uh, give us the breakout on the contract stuff. On that's, the a, way out the that's an excellent question. I haven't really signed any of the documents yet because I'm technically on vacation until August 1st. Um, and I think closer to that date, they'll have me sign a bunch of stuff. I don't know what the restrictions will be. I'm hoping there aren't any. I guess it would depend on what I was asked to do. I would love to have an outlet to still write about things, but I really don't want to be like, uh, I'm out at dinner and I've got to rush to my laptop because uh, they signed the third round draft pick. You know, I, I don't really, I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I am interested in, in doing some writing, not on a, uh, you know, uh, eight hour a day, five day a week basis, but I am interested in doing some things here and there. So, yeah, if anybody's listening to this and has <laughs> such plans, yeah, uh, throw it out there huh? just in yeah. case. I'm amenable, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're going to have a problem there, Les. Um, I do want to talk about your career. And for people who don't know, uh, Les covered the Flyers for a very long time before he switched over uh, to the Eagles. So when you look back at your, your career covering sports in Philadelphia, whether it is Flyers, Eagles, what did you enjoy the most? Obviously, the the – the draft picks and sort of the grind of the daily stuff is not that fun, but what, what was the fun part for you? Well, the games I always, you know, and and there again, this is one of the reasons it's probably a good time for me to step away. I think game stories have gone the way of the dodo bird in, in, in journalism and, and editors always talk about them as being recaps of the game. That's not ever what I tried to do. I always tried to place, particularly with the Eagles, where there's only 16 of them in a year, I always, what you do is you, you put in to the mosaic of the season, how this fits, how this fits, what has happened previously and what was expected, you know, and, and you weave all that together with what you saw, you know, and I, that's one of the things I thought I was good at. I wasn't good at that much, but I, I thought I did that well. And that that was big to me. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the big events, you know, for a long time when budgets were different uh, at the daily news, uh, I go to the super bowl for the week, you know, even, even if the Eagles weren't there, which usually they weren't, uh, you know, and uh, combines and, and drafts and things like that. uh, The, the league meetings uh, it's great from an informational standpoint, but it's also, you sort of there's a camaraderie, as you guys know, with other journalists and you hang out with people that you get to know over the years and you renew those acquaintances. And it's kind of a it's it's almost your work family, you know, because you don't really work in a newsroom the way that some news reporters do where you show up every day and sit at a desk. You know, I do. I've done most of my work either at home or at Novacare the last 19 years. So. You know that's your that's your group, your your cohort, and uh, I'll miss that quite a bit. And, and you know when I covered hockey, that was uh, because you spend so much time on the road. That group was probably a stronger group for me than the football group, and uh, you know I miss those days quite a bit. Let me follow uh, up there, and this is a personal uh, judgment slash statement followed by a question for you. 
Um, you've been a, a flat, travel with the team, go on the road, have to talk to guys day in and day out, report. I've not. I've been a talk show host, and I get guys on as guests periodically, but my own personal uh, experience is hockey guys are easier to deal with than football guys. They're just better interviews, more laid back, more accessible than football players are. That's my belief. I want you to either confirm or deny. If you agree, why do you think that is? Why do you think hockey players are more accessible, more relatable, more easy to get information and maybe a taste of personality out of them? Well, I would say, Jody, first of all, it was certainly true when I covered hockey, but that was nearly 20 years ago now. I don't really know what today's players are like, but from the days I knew versus the football players I've known, I don't think football players are terrible, but in fact, I think the sport probably you've had the most uh, engagement with baseball. Those are the worst guys in the world to me. Uh, <laughs> um, I did do some of that and it was miserable. I, you know, but uh, the uh, hockey, um, you're talking about a lot of guys and you don't want to generalize too much, but some come from rural backgrounds. They haven't spent their whole lives in the spotlight being showered with praise and gifts. And, you know, a lot of them like got up at 4 a.m. on farms in Saskatchewan and stuff like that. You know, it's just a different culture they were raised in. I think uh, it's also a lot of them, understand that it's still a bit of a niche sport here in the United States. Uh, you know, when I started covering hockey, I mean, I'm from North Carolina. I can't skate five feet. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I had very little idea about a left-handed shot or a right-handed shot from the point or any of that stuff. And in some sports, i.e. baseball, if you don't really know the intricacies, people act like you've, you know, committed a sacrilege they don't want to talk to you they they make fun of you it's you know it's just the worst thing in the world but hockey i think <laughs> they kind of expect that and they sort of go out of their way to sell the game a little bit to to be uh you know to be the face of of their organization or whatever uh i think there's it's just a kind of a you know the way the sport fits into into sports life has a lot to do with that. And I don't know if it's as true as it used to be. That's why I said, you know, I don't know about today. The money, you know, that was one thing. I mean, there was, when I first started covering the Flyers, a lot of those guys, maybe they, the good players made like three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 a year. You know, they weren't wow. zillionaires. <laughs> you know, that's less true today, but it's probably more true than in some sports that the money is a little more relatable. You know, Les, that's interesting. When you look at the industry as a whole, and you've been around for a long time, you've seen many shifts along the way. Um, you know, I was always taught right about people, not mm -hmm. not about sports. And and now you have sort of the shift. You kind of mentioned it with hockey and baseball, you know, w with the advanced analytics and people yeah. look down on you and you know, in football, it's the X's and O's, and you got almost technical manuals out there trying to break down the film. Uh, how much is that sort of, uh, I don't want to say dampened, but changed uh, the industry as a whole? You know, it really has. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. It, it's very valid, but it's just not what I grew up wanting to do. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just not my frame of reference. 
I, you, you mentioned hockey. If I were to cover hockey again, I'd have to figure out what Corsi is and, and all this stuff, you know, that I don't want to know. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's the same way with the X's and O's. You know, yeah. I can kind of get through that if I have to do it in a story. I always have to look up you know, to remind myself exactly which, you know, what a three technique is and and the five gap. You know, I mean, I, I it's just not that it doesn't move me. <laughs> it's not. And I think it also you, with the uh, access to game tape, everybody wants to be a film analyst now, mm-hmm. but about one out of every 10 actually know what the hell they're claiming. They know when they look at this film, you know, and, and the, I find that kind of aggravating, frankly, but um, you know, it, yeah, it's a different. And an, another thing, you know, in the, in the coming years, you guys know this, the whole betting thing is going to become something that people write about in and of itself. And here again, not something that really interests me that much in terms of a writing subject. I just don't want to write about odds and, and overs and unders and things like that. And nothing wrong with people who do, but that I, I, not me. No. Since, Since you went there and used this specific word, you formulated my rap, my follow-up question. Odd. Not odds, <laughs> but just odd. Who is the player who you covered over low your many years, hockey, football, either way, who is just odd? Oh who my. you couldn't get a grasp on. You think you're a pretty good judge of, ta- of uh, uh, people's personalities and the like. I do. John does. We all do. If we're in this business, we think we can read between the lines with personalities and guys just by the answers they give us when we ask them questions. Who was someone who just rung odd to you that you could never figure out that Les Bowen was going to get to the bottom of it and you never did? Oh, that's an interesting question and one that I could probably ponder for quite a while. Um, Get used to it, because if you're going to do this retirement thing for sure, this question is going to be repeated to you 20 times over the next two months. Well, one guy that that certainly, uh, you know, is an easy answer there is Danny Watkins, the Eagles uh, first round draft (laughs) in 11, who presented. I did a lot with him that year. I went to British Columbia after he was drafted and talked to the story was, of course, that he had been a firefighter in Kelowna, British Columbia, which is a beautiful place in the wine country of British Columbia on a big lake. He had been a firefighter there as a teenager and had gone down to, to uh, junior college in California to get a firefighting certificate. And it turned out to be a, uh, a, a two-year school that uh, produced a lot of football talent. Aaron Rodgers went there. And, uh, you know, they talked him into playing football because he was huge and nimble and he got a scholarship to Baylor and predicted RG3's uh, blind side and became a first round talent and he presented himself as this really you know uh, hard working smart uh, solid salt of the earth kind of like what we were talking about with Canadian hockey players guy that was gonna you know he had a few the fact that he hadn't played the game until he was 21 was a bit of a problem. And the fact that he was 26 when he was drafted might have been a bit of a problem. But everybody thought, even scouts from other teams, it wasn't just the Eagles, that he would be a solid cog that you could plug in there for five, ten years. And it turned out, they well, they made it, had, had to play guard in the NFL because his body type wasn't really a tackle body type. He wasn't long. <clears throat> 
And he got inside and he couldn't figure out how to do it. And he wasn't interested in doing it. It's kind of like what I was saying about not being interested in writing about betting or something right. like that. Yeah. He just, they, they presented him with, okay, you're going to have to learn, you know, how to pass off these games and which guy to take in this situation. And he just kind of looked at it and thought, yeah, nah, nah, I don't care. And didn't do the work and failed miserably and spent all of his time hanging out at firehouses. Uh, <laughs> You know, and finally was out of the league in a couple of years and he got some money out of it. And now he fights fires in a suburb of Dallas, no less. Uh, you know, and I tried to do a story on that, by the way. This was the this year was the 10th anniversary of that draft. And uh, Danny, through his agent, uh, password that he had no interest in talking to me about it, uh, even though, you know, I did that big story on him when he was drafted. I talked, mm-hmm. I knew his parents uh, from that. You know, it wasn't like we were adversaries. But, uh, yeah, weird guy. Don't quite get why, you know, what he was being asked to do wasn't nuclear physics. Uh, why you wouldn't, even if your heart is in firefighting, you'll have plenty of time to fight fires, you know, when you're 35 or so. Why not have an NFL career? Why not learn the, the things you need to learn and do the things you need to do? And be a success at that rather than be being remembered as one of the most colossal failures in the history of your franchise. I'd love to talk to him about that. I don't know what his, you know, if he if this was something that if it was always a con, you know, if he went into the draft thinking I'm not going to really do this, but I'm going to get some money (laughs) or it just sort of developed. If he kind of got out there with Howard Mudd and thought, Oh my God, I can't do this, you know, and, and was miserable until they got rid of him. I don't know. And less, that's why coaches always talk about loving ball. You got to yeah. figure out if somebody loves ball, but you use the word they're adversary. You were not an adversary uh, of Danny Watkins. Adversarial used to be a hallmark of journalism, not as much today, but you've had a lot of press conference moments over the years. Any of them stand out with any of the Eagles coaches? <laughs> yeah. The one that stands out because uh, on another radio on a radio show they really make a big deal out of this all the time and it was a total misconception misunderstanding. We were in New Orleans at the Superdome. Uh, it was the first time the Eagles had been there since Hurricane Katrina, and things were still kind of weird at the Superdome. And they had the visiting coaches post game press conference in a in a sort of little locker room that was like for I don't know for cheerleaders or some such um and andy reed was at the far end of this long narrow place and the cameras and the reporters were at the back and he starts talking and they have you guys know but the listeners probably there's something called a molt box where they plug in the microphone and you know he's he's talking over the broadcast but there was no amplifier for the people in the room. So people listening at home on Comcast or whatever could hear Andy Reid, but people in the room who were like 30 feet away, you know, Andy's a very kind of soft-spoken person in these situations, couldn't hear a word he was saying. So I was like panicking. It's after the game. I've got a deadline. You know, I have no idea. He's standing up there and I see his mouth moving. So Derek Boyko, at that time, the Eagles PR person is standing next to Andy. And I'm wildly pantomiming to, to, to Derek, like, 
You know, like, <laughs> what? You know, we can't hear him. We can't hear him. Andy sees me and thinks I'm making faces at him <laughs> and says, you got a problem, Les? Which oh, that- was a huge thing. And, you know, of course, Derek explained it to him afterwards, and we all laughed about it, but it became like, you know, Andy Reid angry at Les Bowen. He was, <laughs> he was just puzzled at why I was making faces. But I wasn't. You know, I was making faces because I couldn't hear him. It, you know, there were a lot of things like that over the years that, that stick out to me. A lot of them with Andy, frankly. <laughs> then that, that, as a matter of fact, I'll take the hit for that. I should have got you on my show that week so you could explain that story and make it less of a story than it became. All right, last That's one hard. for me, Lance. Got to get one eagle opinion out of uh, before we let you go for the day. My partner, John McMullen, and other guys that we've had on who cover the Eagles have said close to the same thing. Nick Sirianni, three weeks in, four weeks in, six weeks in, eight weeks in, half season a little bit more, uh, a little too big uh, an impression to be a first impression. But that it's either going to go really well for Nick Sirianni or it's really going to go pretty poorly for Nick Sirianni, that the the middle ground is probably not where he's going to land. Either the Eagles are going to win some games and he's going to be rah-rah and the players and the fans are going to buy into it or they're going to get off to a really bad start and people are going to go, we can't have this high school guy coaching the Philadelphia Eagles. If you're going to one of the two opposite ends, which is more likely? Nick Sirianni, quick cult hero, or Nick Sirianni, quick ticket out of town? You know, I want to see him do well. I, He's so enthusiastic and so exuberant, and we've not had that frankly, coaching the Eagles uh, in the time that I've been around them. Nothing against anybody that's coached the Eagles, but that that was not Andy's personality. It was not Chip Kelly's personality. It was not Doug's personality. You know, this is very, this is going to be like having like a John Gruden or a Ted Lasso coaching the coaching. Ted the Lasso, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's, I don't know if he really knows what he's, I think he's smart though. I really do. A- having gotten to talk to him several times now, I don't think he's a dummy just because he's bubbly and enthusiastic. The thing is, though, he's so ahead of where you might think he would be in his coaching career. And this is also the case with so many of his assistants. I'm just struck by if you look at their resumes and what they were doing five years ago, they were like getting coffee for people. You know, this that's that's the boom or bust thing here is do these people know how to do this? You know, I think they're intelligent. I think they're the players all talked all spring. You heard them, John, about, you know, it's amazing. The coaches are so involved. They're in the drills, running the drills with the players because they're young enough to do that. You know, and, uh, you know, there's so much uh, uh, fire and so much uh, uh, intensity that could turn very well. It could be Dick Vermeil, you know, except Dick Vermeil came here as the UCLA coach who was nationally famous, you know, not as a guy who, you know, was barely uh, the coordinator for a couple of years. So I have no idea, but I'm pulling for the guy. I just think he's a good person and it'll be, I'm kind of, you know, one of the regrets I have is to, to be in a post-game press conference and have a guy who actually wants to talk about stuff and explain stuff would be a new experience for me. <laughs> 
That's true. Nick does want to talk about it. It's interesting. He goes, and, and I wonder how quickly the Eagles PR uh, beats that out of them and see yeah. How, yeah. how they can get it out of them. But well, there's kind use... of a new regime there with Bob Lang coming back. Yeah, Bob, Bob's great. Uh, yeah. I think he feels like Bob feels is this is a little bit inside, inside baseball for the listeners. They don't care. But I think Bob wants to have a better relationship with the media and for the team to be a little less uh, closed in that regard. So we'll see if that happens. It'd be nice. Yeah, we'll see. You got to believe to use Ted Lasso. And I believe in Les Bowen. And I want to congratulate you on a phenomenal career. And we're not going to stop calling you Les. I'm oh, not going to stop yeah. texting no, you. As- I want to get you on Birds 365. But again, congratulations. What a wonderful ride. Uh, thrilled for you. And I hope you and your wife have a great retirement. Well, thank you so much, both of you. I really enjoy doing this. I'm glad to do it anytime you want. And I just spoke to our boss, uh, Joe Krause, and he said, feel free to go ahead and double uh, what you paid Les Bowen for coming on the show so far. <laughs> uh, so appreciate it. And uh, the check oh, yeah. is in the mail, but uh, you got a lot of downtime. Don't don't actually wait by the mailbox for it. Yeah, I, uh, Les Les, great stuff. We appreciate it. We're very much looking forward to talking to you going forward, my friend. Enjoy some downtime, big guy. Thanks, fellas. That is Les Bowen, formerly, painful to say, formerly of the Daily News and the Inquirer. Uh, He's done a great job covering the Eagles over these last years, and he will be missed. All right, uh, we will not miss out on putting a bow on the show. Only got a couple of minutes left. Stay right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Again, we need to thank Les Bowen for coming on. I want to thank Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated as well, who's also very good. Uh, thank both of our guests, and they both did a great job for us today. Ran a little late with Les, because what can you tell you? We're reminiscing, he's a bud, and we truly will miss him. So uh, there is not much time left on the show. I want to end on this note, John McMullen. How smart is your dog? Very smart. The smartest dog in the world, I might say. <laughs> okay. Say it's Everybody's... What I everybody's got the best dog, they always got, and everybody's right, Jody. Dogs right. are great, and uh, I got a good dog, really good dog. I don't know if he's the best dog in the world, but he's he's great by me, or she's great by me, and she's smart. She like uh, over the last couple of weeks, it's happened in two weeks, it's happened four or five times. I hear her coming down the steps from my basement where I'm broadcasting from at like 9 50 something. Because she knows that it's almost 10 o'clock and the old man's going to be able to get her out oh, at yeah. 10 o'clock. Oh, yeah. My dog I couldn't time. tell time till I was like 12 years old. But how the hell does my dog know what time it is? But my dog knows exactly when I get off the air. Knows exactly I'm coming. Knows exactly it's time to go out again. Always knows when it's time to be fed. She knows that. Uh, 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 it's amazing. Her time skills. She knows the time better than me. And that's rather obvious because it looks like we're going to run over today. Uh, as we do because we have good guests on and we like hanging around with them and shooting a breeze with them. As uh, suggested, we will have less Bowen on during the year. I enjoy his football opinion, um, even though he's not going to be covering the team on a day-in, day-out basis like he has the last few years for the Daily News and the Inquirer. It doesn't matter. Les Bowen knows his football and uh, we are going to continue to have him on. Partner, uh, kick back, relax, enjoy. Uh, take the dog out. Uh, don't do too much work. Save yourself up for 22 hours from now. I got to retire, Chad. <laughs> you and I are going anywhere. We got we got another solid week of Birds 365 coming. Yeah. The week after that, we'll see. Uh, but they're not ready to get rid of us just yet. Uh, buddy, we'll be back here in 22 hours. I'll talk to you then. Looking forward to it. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.